0: welcome back to another episode of the Poll Hitter Podcast. Today I'm going to be joined by Chris Clegg and Dave Swan. There are some writers over at Fantrax as well as Chris's. Just started a new podcast on Fantrax called the Fantrax Prospect Toolshed with Eric Cross. It's pretty good. I suggest you guys give a listen to that if you're into Dynasty Leagues or just want to start learning about some young talent in the league. Um, today, we're going to be doing a three up, three down segment where we give three players that were up and down for for 2021, as well as concluding the podcast with a mini stolen base draft for 2021. We're prospecting guys for stolen bases only for next year and having a little mini draft from it. So I hope you enjoy this episode. If you haven't already rated, reviewed and subscribed the podcast that will be much appreciative and thank you for everyone who has done so already and thank you so much for keep on listening to the podcast so hopefully keep this train going having some fresh guests on and providing some insight into the past season as well as into the next season so with that being said guys well let's welcome chris and dave onto the podcast get ready for the greatest roast of all time the roast of tom brady Pull Her to Podcast. Today, I am here with a couple of some close Twitter friends of mine, Dave Swan, Chris Clegg, from Fantrax. How are you guys doing tonight? What's going on?
1: Oh man, I'm excited, man. Glad to be here with you. Uh, yeah. First to be with a uh, a champ on the NFPC is a is a real honor, man. And I uh, love the work you do, and so I'm just excited to be here, chat a little fantasy baseball tonight.
0: Awesome. I feel the same way. What about you, Dave? How are you doing tonight?
2: I uh, man, I'm excited. Good to talk to you finally after having a bunch of you know Twitter conversations we have and uh, been writing with Clegg quite a bit. So yeah, it's uh, you know just excited to talk baseball still.
0: Yeah, right. I mean, um, I tweeted it the other day. You know, like on Sunday, I was, it wasn't even about the football. I was just like so into other baseball things and like baseball never ends. You know, it's just, it's just the best. It's so much better. Can't stand the fantasy you've oh, I'm thinking about leaving all my fantasy football weeks. Like even, you know, like I, I'm done, totally done with that.
1: I'm all you, fantasy baseball, man. I
0: feel yeah, ya. Yep, All the time. So, um, how did you guys get into uh, baseball? Like, did, did you guys play it when you were young? um you know how did you get into your love for baseball is it just like a fantasy baseball thing tell me about your history behind that
2: so uh like i always assume i'm much older than everybody because like i'm in my you know mid late 30s uh i've been playing baseball forever and uh it was just something we always did with our friends and such and uh fantasy baseball was just like another hobby we had that we played on the computers and even before then uh, you know, just another thing that we did. It was just one of those things as kids growing up. We played baseball and we played fantasy baseball. Just
1: just fun. Right. Yeah, I, I started playing when I was probably four. I um, guess playing T ball. And so I hit left-handed, which is cool. But I just remember my dad always told me, he he would always say I was standing on the wrong side of the tee. So he'd always keep turning me around. And I kept going back to that left side. And so I kind of stuck um, as a left-handed hitter. I tried to switch hit some, but... Definitely more from the left side. But, you know, I played my whole life growing up. We had a nice, uh, nice yard in the backyard. We made a baseball diamond. All the neighborhood kids would come over. We'd play with tennis balls. You know, we all played on the same little league team, travel ball teams. And then actually, so I've, I played into high school and my ninth grade year, man, played seventh and eighth grade on like the C team. And then by ninth grade, it's kind of got burned out, man. Our coach was, was pretty trash and, you know, a lot of politics into, to high school baseball. And so I burned out and quit and took up golf. And so I started playing uh, golf yeah, yeah. then and I'm uh, pretty, pretty big golfer still today. And I coach a high school golf team actually. But so I was out of baseball for a while. never lost the, the passion for it though. I've always been a big Braves fan living down here in South Carolina. So um, big Braves guy. And then, you know, for a while, I didn't miss it at all. I didn't miss playing, but then college kind of hit and you're like, man, I wish I'd stuck with it, but that's just kind of my playing story. So I still play some softball, man, still get yeah, into yeah. it a little bit. That's the good stuff. Just relive some of those memories, you know, from when you are younger and playing. So glad we can still do that, man. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And then when you start playing fantasy? So I started probably like 2014. So I'm still a little Oof. newer to it. Okay. But, you know, first it was just playing like with friends. And yeah. then – a buddy of mine invited me to a pretty competitive like uh, redraft league. They were in. It was the first time I played for money, and that was like in 2016. And then that kind of got the itch going, man. I, I actually won the first year in the league. Kind of hit some luck on some trades, and so that kind of got me going. I was like, "Oh man, this is this is awesome!" And it got really addicting. Yeah. And so then every year, like from then on, I started joining more and more leagues. And I think 17 was when I played my first dynasty league, and so. Dynasty's kind of been a big passion of mine, but just the every year it's just like getting in more and more leagues. But yeah, I think I'd say probably 2016 was when I really started playing seriously in that league, and that kind of ignited um, my passion for for fantasy.
0: That's awesome. And dynasty, dynasty is your favorite format.
1: Yeah, dynasty's yeah. definitely. You know, I love yeah. redraft, but there's just something about dynasty, man. I
0: love it right now i would agree i just started it this year and you know i'm hooked already i feel like it made me so much better in all my other leagues just such a deeper knowledge of the player pool um yeah i I love it it's uh sometimes i'm just looking at these names and you know the limited video you just get like one swing you could see and it's like what am i doing but it's (laughs) awesome you know it's just it's so worth it when they come up and give you like you know, thirty-two at bats in the last two weeks and a couple of stolen bases. You're thrilled that you that you hit on something like that. Oh, uh, for sure. Yeah, man. And what about you, Dave? What's your favorite uh format of a league?
2: Um, probably roto. You know, like everyone else, I I started playing much earlier, like mid '90s. And um, I remember I always played head to head mainly because that's like how we played football, right. And then Roto was introduced to me by like Yahoo Sports, rotisserie uh, leagues and such. And I jumped on that right away because it was so much different and people weren't really playing it that I knew at the time.
0: Mm. So
2: like, uh, and I, again, I like, while my friends played, everybody just kind of like did it for fun. But I was always kind of into it more, into the analytics tool and into, you know, uncovering players. Like I still remember like, my, I thought my season was made or braid or made made or made or ruined if I had drafted Bobby Abreu. Like that was Ooh. like t- that was the target. Like mm. I had to get get Abreu in my my teams because it was a good set. Um, and and from there it's kind of spawned up everywhere. Uh you know a lot of friends went away, a lot of home leagues that are like I said, just kind of casual. You know, like you're just kind of playing with friends. Uh, and then you know like in the last couple years really jumped into the nfbc play Mm -hmm. Uh, co-managed a bunch with my brother and then he's gone off and had a bunch of kids so now it's just left me playing solo without a without a manager so you know just the itch you know every time i went around somewhere like i was always talking about it oh you know and people are like oh like we don't want to talk about it anymore so it's just looking for you know looking for more people that you know, had that passion that wanted to play and talk about it all the time.
0: I think, yeah, you know what? You just nailed that because, um, uh, you know, m- my friends, my brothers, you know, they're into it, but not as crazy as I am. And then, sure, you know, once I got in the Twitterverse and started talking to all you guys, I'm like, oh yeah, this is, this is, this is great. Like, you know, you, you could, uh, you can satisfy that, uh, that urge to just talk about, you know, why opposite field home runs are good, like for next, you know, for next year power guys, Just like, you know, some random stuff like that. But yeah, I totally agree. It's just, there's another level there's, you know, casual. And then there's, um, did you find that, did you find that when you are playing it in in the NFC with an owner, uh, with a co-owner, like it helps you or did you like, is it harder to like, um, I'm always like, he- like hesitant, like, you know, like, how, you know, how's this going to work?
2: I put a lot of time into like draft prep and researching players and everything. So like I I do worse if I bounce stuff off people, like I already kind of have my dead set and I don't want to argue with somebody in the middle of a draft (laughs) and I don't want to argue everything to it. Like I can't share a team with somebody anymore. It's just, it's gotta be me, you know? So much better on my own. I feel like it's more work. Right. But at least it's like all me.
0: Right. Right. You know, I know like, um, uh, you know, the Votosaurus guys, they, they just like, um, they constantly mention how much it helped them with fab to have another guy to bounce sure. like a value off of, you know, instead of just, you know, um, trusting you, you know, obviously it's, it's fab is a crazy game as is, but, um, yeah, it's interesting. It's it's definitely tough. I think it might be a little uh, easier maybe in like a draft and hold, like a, like a best ball, I guess, you know, where there's no uh, there's no opportunity to haggle over lineups over the week or fab, but, you know, just like draft a good team and, you know, that's it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I know best ball is uh, not going to be on the NFBC. That looks pretty cool. Are you guys going to get into anything like that?
1: Yeah, I think that's something I'm – want to do more especially now writing and we kind of talked about this a little bit before we started recording but it can be hard to balance playing and analysis you know And so the best ball leagues are becoming more and more appealing to me because (laughs) i hate to say the lack of management but you know the draft is you know drafts are my favorite part of fantasy honestly and so the in season management is great but when you're in so many leagues best. how many
2: many leagues did you have like
1: uh, I think I was in thirteen this year.
2: I'd say what about you, Rob?
0: Yeah, about twenty.
2: Yeah. I'd say it was like pushing that that number, right? And it's like right. how do I set up this year it's gonna be more more best ball and even when I'm doing like my DFS stuff, it it was a lot.
0: Right. Yeah. And I know. It's um <clears throat> I know we talked about that off the air and uh it's it's definitely tough, you know, you know. But I, you know, another thing we talked about off the air was you continuously pumping out articles, Chris. And I think that that might benefit you a whole lot, you know, because you, you know, if you you keep busting in your work and keep putting that grind in, you know, that player pool right now, um, might know a whole hell of a lot better than other people. So it's like, you know, you're a little hesitant about like when, you know guys are uh, gonna sign or if they're gonna play but you know right now like you know you just want to get in a draft and if you know the player pool um pretty deep it definitely helps you you know oh yeah for sure you gotta get in it gotta get you in.
2: you guys jumped you guys jumped in any leagues yet oh yeah man
1: still doing so i've done about five mocks but let's say
2: the mocks but that's different right
1: yeah oh yeah it's not the same yeah
0: i got into the um the td BC um, that the prospects live guys are holding out um, which is a five-year fixed um, league which is pretty interesting uh, I don't know how I feel about my team right now but uh, <laughs> um, but and then uh, I took I inherited a, um, a dynasty team and um, me and uh, Steve Weimer are Doing a dispersal draft right now between the two teams that we took over and then so yeah, I took over that team So that's like a little mini draft of some sorts and um, mike simeon, um Had a starting pitchers only league that I got into like the last day and a half So it was like a half hour per pick. Um, it was pretty cool. So yeah, just those three kind of many things, trying to see what everybody likes out there, what kind of market there is for Dynasty and the pitching market. And then hopefully in like a month, I'll jump into a DC. Um, yeah, at least that my plan is. I know last year I only did one pre-COVID. And, uh, but now I'm definitely like see the allure of, you know, drafting early um, as well as doing something closer to the season, you know?
2: Yeah, no, man, I'm an information person. I got to wait till the end. I did way too many last year early, and too it just, yeah, it didn't do it for me. <laughs> yeah,
0: you you did too many early, but, I mean, you know, you maybe do, like, one, like, one or two early, or, like, with that too much?
2: Oh, gosh, I haven't decided yet. Like, I know enough people are going to be, like, asking me to join something, or I'll see all of you guys jumping in <laughs> on the NFPC drafts, and I'll be, like, it, I'm, I'm going in. It's just gonna, gonna happen. I know it. It's just gonna
1: happen. I know it. Yeah, I think I think there's an advantage to be had if if you adequately prepare early and getting in early. Obviously, so much changes in the the off season, which is the negative. But there, I mean, if you get on your prep early and then and draft early, I think there there's an advantage to be had for sure.
0: I Think like where I've been looking, it, it seems like the um, like. Uh, like you and Zach, Zach you I was on the uh, draft uh, champion podcast and mm-hmm. he was mentioning the five, a, um, you know, uh, DCs he's already done that. It's, it seems like there's a bunch of people in the 300s that, you know, tend to rise into the 200, the 150s and like you can get them now at 300. That's, you know, that's what he was saying with like, and, and I see that I was looking at the ADP and it seems, you know, it's, it's pretty interesting i i see the allure of trying to get those pockets of guys but there's definitely a flip side to it sure. obviously with the dh2 like that's up in the air and um a whole bunch of other things obviously teams cutting guys cost cutting ways uh it's gonna be pretty crazy but um we made it through this past year so we'll make it through the next year right sure. all right so um actually have this three up three down segment that we're going to get into so i figured we would give everybody um three players that were up and down on for the next year um and told you guys it could be through you know any type of format type of league specific or whatever you guys wanted to go with it so um why don't we get into that and uh chris i'll let you lead off with a um a guy that you are up on this year going into the 2021 season
1: cool so this guy has actually kind of become controversial with the dh and that's uh dom smith who i really like a lot and actually i'm not so sure that dh or no dh i don't think he's affected much i mean he he played the field the majority of the time i think 42 of his 51 games were played in the field now we know he's not the best defender in the outfield and the mets could splurge and and go big in the off season. So there's some question marks here, but I really really like what what Dom did this year. I mean, he really transformed his game and became a a really I don't want to say elite hitter, but a really solid hitter. Uh, we saw him he hit 3.16, 3.77 OBP and 6.16 slugging percentage. at 10 home runs, drove in 42 last year and just 199 plate appearances. And so a lot to be liked there. It's interesting because his launch angle actually decreased a little bit. Like he was hitting the ball into the ground more, but he also made really good contact. Like when, when he was hitting it up in the air. So solid like exit velocity on line drives and fly balls. His barrel rate was up. Sweet spot percentage was way up to 43%. And honestly, like all the expected stats, like really supported what he did. And he had a solid hard hit rate. I mean, just hit the ball extremely well and was seeing it well. And I think we're easy to forget that Smith was a a big time prospect not too long ago. And he's only 25 years old. And obviously people had I think soured on him a little bit because there was the prospect fatigue. I mean, he came up four years ago and you know, when he wasn't really contributing much, people kind of faded on him. And obviously like he was a big steal in drafts last year. He was going pretty late and now the value has jumped up. I'm still not totally sure if I'm, in on him at his ADP. I think he's going right around 100. And so, regardless, like, I like him a lot. And he's like, specifically for Dynasty Leagues, like, really, really like him. And he's a big riser for me in that format as well. Because he's only 25 years old. And so, still a lot of development time to be had. And he's just a, a good, pure hitter that I like a lot. I
0: love it. As an MF fan, I love that answer. No, I like oh, yeah. it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it is, he
2: just does. No, I mean he was on my TGFBI team. It was like one of the first pickups I had. It was, I mean, he helped me a ton.
1: Yeah. Last year, it was. He went undrafted in a what four hundred and fifty man deep yeah. pool. That's crazy. It
2: wow. Was found money. Found That's money amazing. That
0: so, Dad Dave, why don't you um, why don't you go ahead with your first uh, first off so, player?
2: Yeah, a guy I find myself writing about a lot, especially as we got into the playoffs. And I think
0: he could be, you
2: know, we talk value and guys that just can return quite a bit from where they're getting drafted. And that was my guy, Edwin Rios, who I think is just an absolute stud in the making. He does have a little bit of a a Joey Gallo-esque profile, a lot of swing and miss, a lot of Ks in that profile, very few walks. So you could see a little bit of streakiness, but... The man absolutely mashes baseballs when he connects with it. And, you know, this is a guy in the minors that was putting up 30-plus home runs, right? And barrel rate, very nice, right? Good indicator he's going to do that. And, you know, I think L.A. is going to move on from Justin Turner. And Mm. there's going to be a little bit more of a spot for him. And as far as in drafts, you know, this guy's going, you know, post 300. Right, so you're talking about a corner infielder that you can just plug right in there, and he's going to make up, you know, he ain't going to get any steals because he's slow, but you know, I think he can really put together a nice, solid year and return quite a bit to you.
0: I like that, Chris. What do you think about that uh, choice right there?
1: Uh, I'm excited about him, man. Like that, right? I think that he could be a real steal in drafts. Yeah, especially like you say, if they move on from Turner, or even if they they move rios which would be interesting you know mm-hmm. imagine him in a a nice hitter's park I mean, he could he could really crush yeah
0: that is uh i mean i i like both of your choices so far i mean i'm gonna feel a little weak going in with i'm gonna go in with a little um i i i like what i see from rowdy telez and um the Last 169 games he's played he got 610 played appearances, 33 homers, 91 ribbies. Um, his K percentage has gone down, his walk percentage has gone up. Um, in that same time frame, he's 10th in uh, max exit velocity, uh, his hard hit percentage has gone up every year. Um, and honestly, if you take a look at the stats, he's kind of not that far away from Luke Voigt's profile. Uh, if you go across the board in a couple of power metrics and, uh, you know, K percentage, walk percentage, they're not that different of a player. And I just feel like in the ADP gap that you'll get those two guys in this year, I think Voigt looks like he's in the 40s. And as I know, definitely won't be that high. I'm gonna be all over um, kind of profile like that. I think obviously we gotta pay attention to, um, you know, that playing time in you know, Toronto. You don't know where Vlad's gonna end up and what they're gonna do over there, Travis Shaw. But I like Rowdy, Rowdy, Rowdy Piper going in for next year.
1: Yeah, I'm all on board with that, man. That first base is is really weird. Like, honestly, <laughs> if, if I don't lie, if I don't get Freeman. Or even bellinger then honestly i'm waiting like that range has a lot of good people right and tellez is a big target and that's i mean my next guy's in that similar range so we'll we'll see dave you like you like rowdy
2: i did he's a guy that bounced around on my teams too last year and for the same reason you know i'm a sucker for max exit velocity it's one of those you know one of those metrics i jump right into because i don't remember who said it but it's like you can't teach someone to hit a ball as hard as they do it's just right. like to me it's an it's a super indicator when i see that and rowdy jumped off the page last year for me you know in that limited sample size especially at that price i feel like you can quite you know At a career drafting them it's just like i said found money at that point
0: right exactly and um you know I, I know like everyone's looking at different ways to you know value the season and incorporate it in something i just been you know, messing around with the last, you know, week or two. He's just been looking at the last – since uh, July of um, 2019, you know, at the end of this year. And it's just uh, – it's interesting, you know, just certain things pop out, you know, like you wouldn't think like A.J. Pollock's like 25th in home runs, you know, but stuff like that. Just – it's cool. It's cool to look at, you know, pockets of games in that way. But, uh, yeah, I like my rowdy. I'm going with – um mm-hmm. and, uh. all right, Chris, go ahead. We're going to go back to you. Who's yeah. your – uh uh, another yeah. another
1: first baseman I like in that range, and that's uh, Evan White. Man, nice. Evan White was good. absolutely terrible this year. Like not good at all. <laughs> he slashed one seventy six two five two, three forty six. Man, he was he was terrible. But his hit tool is a, a million times better than that. I mean, looking at it, he's at least above average hit, and he hit three oh three in twenty eighteen in a full minor season, and two ninety three in twenty nineteen in a full season. So there was. Even his expected stats were low, but you know what the thing is? He hit the ball extremely, extremely well. There was some bad luck, and like you you mentioned, Dave, max exit velocity, White ranked pretty well in that. I mean, it wasn't obviously Tellez's numbers, but he was right at 113 for the max exit velo, but on line drives and fly balls, hit the ball at an average of 96.9 miles an hour, and that's that's extremely hard. That puts you near the top of that leaderboard. And so White's a player that I'm really – really into at the price because like i mentioned with first base it's just it's shallow and if you miss early i'm not loving the middle middle round guys so i like waiting and i'll take the shot there on somebody like Teles or or evan white because i think there's a lot of indicators in his profile that say he could be in for a big season and the hard hit rate was exceptional at 52 and a half percent his barrel rate of 14 percent, extremely solid the launch angle was there for him to, to hit the ball out of the park. And so I think the average comes up. I think people are scared away by that. But I'm telling you, man, the hit tool is so much better. I think you can probably expect him to hit like 270 at minimum over a full season. And there's the power there. There's the 100%. power there to be had,
0: you know. Yeah. So. What I about that? A, what about that eighty-five percentile sprint speed? I know you that's like what that I was too. Pretty athletic guy, He's a pretty
2: athletic guy. Wanted, yeah. love. like he could swipe a bag or two, and that'd be nice out of that first base spot.
1: Right. He he he, right. he doesn't steal that often, but yeah. he has the ability to. And so, if the Mariners are like, let's let him run free, I think he could steal like seven to ten bags, which is extremely valuable.
2: Yeah. Well, the Mariners think, stole. Yeah, the Mariners stole the third most bags last year. There you go.
0: So they're letting, them, they're letting they're letting him run. Yeah. Yeah. I like that choice. I, I, I was on in this year coming into this year too. Um, I just like to profile on the minors and yeah, I, I think you're right about that, you know, sneaky possible steals. And again, you're not going to probably go into a draft and say, all right, you know, I just added 10, you know, steals, but you know, that, um, with the team concept and with that speed score, you could definitely, you know, get some for you. And I, I totally agree with you, Chris, like, um, it's either Freeman or you wait, you know, I, I mean, that's my opinion. It's, it's Freeman early or you wait. Um, anyone in the middle, Abreu went too high. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with that approach 100%. All right, Dave, what do you got for uh, your second um, up player for this 2021 season?
2: So I'm going to move on over to a pitcher, another guy I couldn't help myself with all the time. And that's uh, Zach Eflin. So, right, in like, I noticed him not last year, but the previous year. He made a giant pitch mix change and started featuring the sinker. His four-seam fastball is just all over the place. Like, he doesn't know where it's going. And uh, it gets hit pretty hard anyway. So then he starts featuring the sinker and, as well, mixing it up with a curveball, which he was finding himself getting, you know, keeping everything low, getting it down, and, you know, the ground ball rate, you know, spiked. A bit more, you know, his walk rate went away. So we're looking at a guy who had like a 22% K minus walk. You know, and if you're playing in that park that he's in, you're going to want to keep the ball down and not give up a lot of fly balls anyway, because it can get kind of hitter friendly if need be. Uh, I like him for the fact that, you know, that team could end up, you know, I think it's doing some really good things and could end up picking quite a few more wins up for him as well. But, you know, just the inherent skills that were there are showing me this is a guy that you know, the ERA could be lower than what was posted. I think over a full season, uh, you know, his his stats would have ended up looking even better. He almost got like the Luis Castillo treatment here, but that's one that I've been, uh, I was on last year and I'm going to be you know targeting, especially at price this year.
0: I like that. That's a solid solid choice right there. I mean, um, I think I drafted him in one league and um, I think after the first fab I had dropped him um kind of wish I would have held on to him for a couple decent starts that he had. But yeah, I like that. I like that profile for next year. Mm-hmm. Especially at the especially at the spot he's in, you know. It can't hurt you to take a guy like that. Sure. Uh for my second up player, um, I you know a lot of people probably thought he had a disappointing season, but I'm gonna continue with my trend of looking at guys from July first of twenty nineteen. I'm gonna go with Raphael Devers. Um, not really, um, a you know, a big time d- drafter of him when he was, you know, going in the second round after his monster season, but, um, where he's going now, I'll take it, you know, still look back since last 165 games, 31 homers, hundred runs, hundred and eight ribbies. Um, again, we'll go back to the max EV 116.7 elite, elite barrel rate, um, uh, his, inf- his infield fly ball percentage has gone down in the last three years as his home run for fly balls risen. So um, I kind of like the way he's, you know, he's spraying the ball at more of a, um, a launch angle, like in between uh, 23 and 30 ish. So maybe just get a little more on that. And I think he'll, he'll continue his home run ways. Um, he pulled the ball a lot less last year Um But obviously, he had some whiff tendencies and um, K-percentage problems last year. And I don't know if it's just maybe he might have felt any pressure for Mookie leaving and pressing because he he got worse at, you know, um, swinging at – making contact that pitching in his own and swinging whiffs and pitches in his own. And I don't know if that's just like a pressing thing or trying to do too much thing because everything else seems to be in line for him. And so I think if he falls a little bit from what he was going last year, a guy like I normally wasn't targeting last year, I think, I'll think I'll be in on him this year.
2: Sure. With a small sample size, I think we're kind of, We do need to kind of forgive people a little bit in some of the errors that are out there, especially if we've seen a bit of a track record, you know, with them. Uh, I'm still focusing on how I'm going to take in track record plus this last 2020 into how I'm going to email people. And you know, there's some things you're going to have to look at a person and say, I believe he's this, not the 2020 short sprint season that was not the way baseball is probably going to be next year, possibly.
1: Yeah, I think recency bias is, is playing really big into a lot of these early drafts, and I think that there's a lot of value to be had. Like, if you exploit that, like Devers, who's, who's fallen, and he came on the, the end of the season really hot, man. It's like he was strong over the last month of the season, and he looked like his normal self. Like, that's exactly what you would expect out of him. So totally buying that. I like that a lot.
0: All right, Chris, Gad, Let's go with your last um, up person for this year.
1: All right, let's go back to the pitcher well and talk about Pablo Lopez. Man, I'm excited about Lopez, and he flashed a little bit of that, of that ability this year. He started using that changeup a lot more, and I'll, I think that's a trend with a lot of the, the Marlins pitchers. But he lowered his four seam usage pretty heavily, about over 10%, started using the changeup a heck of a lot more, added in that sinker and used that real efficiently. So he was really, really good, man. First off, he limits hard contact really well, and he upped his strikeout percentage by a good margin. So he, he upped it near 25%, which isn't a by any means, but it's a good number. The walk rate was up a little bit, but you might expect it to trend back down over a full season, closer to like the 6% range, which is still solid. Um, I, don't, I don't know, man. There's a lot to like. He had a, a 361 ERA and a 119 whip. But his FIP was at 309, which, which stands out a lot to me. And like Eflin, man, I think there's a lot of value. Obviously, Lopez is going a little bit higher. So there's less potential for return on investment. But overall, I just think that there's, there's so much to like here in his profile. And I like what the Marlins are doing with developing their pitchers. And so I'm expecting some big things from him. Even even if he pitches how he did in, in 2020 over a full season in 21, he returns a lot of value, in my opinion, where he's getting drafted.
0: I like it. You guys are nailing all these, uh, all these guys tonight. Fantastic. Dave, what do you think?
2: No, I'm a fan of Pablo Lopez as well. It's one of those guys I think can take that next leap. I think we kind of saw his stuff take that leap that changeup has just been an out pitch and it's doing everything it needs to as far as like inducing weak contact which you hit the you know right on the head you know getting the ground balls and then he's still finding a way to put the pitchers you know the the hitters away uh you know and strike him out when he needs to it's a a really big leap that he took from 19 to 20 and you know if he takes just uh you know a little bit more it could really be you know that pick, i mean he was pitching to begin the season and everything quite like you know like an ace like it was just amazing to, to have him on your team for that extra value that you are receiving from him that's why i like that pick is you know where you're getting him he could perform like an sp2 and you're not really drafting him too crazy like that if you need to
0: love it totally agree thank you um i yeah and i think like you said dave right is he, he even if it takes a little bit of an improvement like you know still young like 24 you know it doesn't have to be a huge step right now but even a little bit will still be um will give you a ton of a ton of good stats i think for next year 100 percent. all right yeah, dave no, what I, do you got okay i was looking
2: i was looking at lopez as one of mine that i was going to take so yeah like, okay i'm glad that we haven't mixed any my last one is one of my hometown clubs javi baez and i understand like his season was terrible. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Let's, like, this is where I'm willing to like, kind of wash it away. And this is a hundred percent based on the fact that, um, you know, he's getting, you know, in the two early mocks, he was getting draft 50 and 114. And this is a guy that previous to this, you know, recency bias bias was, you know, drafted to like, if you're getting him in the fourth round, you were just floored at getting him at that. Cause it's a guy who could contribute all over. And, you know, as a guy who watched the Cubs there's a lot of things that, Didn't go right for him, but like we get back to the things like max exit velocity, right? The guy just craps, you know, smacks the the crap out of the ball and he can hit it all over. But there's one thing that he does. that's terrible. He swings at every fricking pitch that he sees, right? So, you know, while this beginning looks really bad, he could have gone on a, a tear very much like, uh, um, Alberto Mondesi, right. And just had a monster month and you would be looking at this guy as somebody who who can't fall below the 50th pick. Right? So it's just again it goes back to that reason. This is a guy with you know a career up of like 330, right? And last year he his up is 260 because it's a really small sample. And on top of it, you know, he zone contact is his profile sucks, right? He's not the the greatest little little hitter that you want to fit. He's not really super polished, but he's never been that if you're drafting him. I just feel like like in mocks, if you can get this guy at his ADP, which is right now like 81, it could return quite a bit as opposed to, you know, where you drafted him, especially when people are just kind of like, whatever, I'll just take any shortstop, you know, because there's so many good ones, but you could actually have a really good shortstop, you know, that you drafted, you know, eighth round that should have been going, you know, four rounds earlier.
0: I absolutely agree. I think, um, I think his
2: 85 will rise quite a bit.
0: I think it will. It should. I mean, it should. It should rise up a little bit because, like you said, um, just like immense, you know, immense power, immense hitting the ball hard. And yeah, it's a small sample size Mm -hmm. of, you know, the whole video thing, too, right? You know, we said he didn't have his video. um, Mm -hmm. And i just feel like at that you know i saw some of the early mocks like 100 and i said 100 for javi bias you know i'll 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 be all over that all day you know it's, listen it's just
2: you gotta forgive some evils of 2020 and take your stance on players and right. i just think he's he, i think at this point people are looking at it and going oh that's a terrible and they're looking at stat lines from 2020 and not and passing on them because whatever they have in their mind but there's quite a bit of talent there. i'm just raw talent he he deserves to be taken higher
0: and you oh, yeah. know what i think i find myself asking um most of my guests this question but how do you guys feel about that like profile where you know guys hit the ball really hard but also swing and miss a lot like i think sometimes we tend to like undervalue how good they are when they hit the ball. And we're constantly looking at the, you know, the K percentage and stuff like that, where a guy like Javi Baez, you know, like you said, Dave, just because he's so mentally talented, he's going to give you that 2020, you know, even though he has all those holes in his swing. And so how do you guys feel about that profile of a player? Do you find yourself like, you know, wondering how to, how to gauge that?
1: Yeah, it kind of scares me a little bit. I mean, right. you look at guys like Baez, Mondesi, uh, Luis Robert. I mean, those guys just, the contact profiles are are terrible. The swinging yeah. strike rates are crazy high. But like you mentioned, when they hit it, when they get hot, like they're they're so good. Right. And so there's there's always some streakiness in in their game, and it it always it, I'm just torn on it. Like you know, is it worth right. the investment?
0: Right, sure. because then you like when you look at the amount of guys that go 2020 20 every year you know if it's eight if it's 10 and those guys are doing it but they're part of that swing and miss profile it's still a ton of value there you just got to right. build right you know it's got to build around it you know build a, a bunch of stable hit tools around that so you can yeah. get that you know but
2: I look at uh, a, I look at a guy like Luke Voigt had a ton of swing and miss in his profile in the previous 2019. And it made me really want to jump off of him at times because he missed so much in the zone and he swung and missed so much out of the zone. Right. And I'm like, ooh, like I like this guy He's a Yankee. He can mash the ball, but in you know, never did I think he was going to mash like he did. And now you're looking at that guy's getting taken in the third. He's not leaving the third round.
0: That's wild. That's too high. You know, when you think
2: when when you I'm just saying when you think about it, we're going to look at these you know this 2020 season and just get misevaluated like crazy. Right. And you're going to have to factor in so many things. We just can't look at, at the stats and percentages and go off of that. And I think that's what happened with, with some of these ADPs. I
0: 100% agree. It's, um, I, and like you said, I think that'll write itself. I think people will kind of get, you know, I think Javi will be one of the guys that kind of gravitates more toward, um, you know, where where he was his last couple of years. Maybe not as high as last year, but, you know, not as low as it is right now. That, that,
2: right. that profile in Roto is okay to me somewhat. It's going right. to even and balance itself out of time. Right. But, you know, head-to-head, head, it's going to be tough. You don't know what you're going to get, you know, in, in any given week at times. So, Yeah, you know,
0: right, you're right, because he's not that, you know, that consistent profile that – and he can hurt you in weeks, but he'll definitely help you, right, because he'll – at the same time, he, he can go and bat 100 for three straight weeks. He'll also be the guy to, you know, bang out five homers and four steals in one week yeah. multiple times, you know, so – Okay. Yeah. So, um, all right. So for my third up player, this is a deep dive dynasty guy. Um, probably not a guy at a lot of top of dynasty lists, but his name is Zach McKinstry on the Dodgers. Um, he is older type of prospect, uh, but I think he's like fit the Jake Cronenworth mold. Um, and he's uh, he, you know, he's a lefty. Um, with he plays every position in the field. And I think he's going to kind of take over. I know, Dave, you mentioned maybe, you know, Turner leaves and Rios takes over. And I think that, you know, even if that happens, I think McKinstry played everywhere. And I see Taylor with Jock Peterson also being a free agent. Maybe Taylor plays more outfield. And McKinstry, you know, fills that Chris Taylor role as well, like a lefty style with uh pretty much like a David, uh, a Daniel Murphy type hit tool. And I think, um, for like dynasty purposes, um, I think he goes, I, again, I think trying to evaluate these profiles and dynasty that, um, I like could Jay Cronenworth, um, you know, maybe doesn't pop out at you with these crazy lost skills, but, you know, just it's a general overall good, you know, stable profile of being like a good baseball player can play multiple positions. That's what teams want. Um, Every time he's moved up a level, he's kind of struggled at first, but then he immediately um you know, got hot and became much better versus lefties, versus righties, um, everything. His ISO skyrocketed. Once he hit AAA, something changed in him because he his numbers all the way around it started going off fields. Um, I just I don't know. I, I got excited looking at his uh his minor graphs page on Prospects Live and also on Nick Richards' site and um, I don't know. He's just like I said. I think in dynasty leagues, I think we're all concerned with that like long-term um, return of investment. Where I think maybe these kind of profiles um, could be very useful, um, you know, to roster. You know,
1: yeah, I like McKinstry a lot, man. He's, I mean, he flies so under the radar, and people don't give him the respect he deserves in, in most rankings. But the dude's legit, man. Like you mentioned, he's got a real good hit tool, very similar to Cronenworth, I think, with maybe a little bit more power. Right. So there's good power in the profile, um, and you mentioned the AAA jump, which people will attest to that ball being different in AAA. But he he hit pretty True. well in he hit pretty well in AA in 2019, though. I mean, he hit for some good power there. So I'm not overly concerned about that. Saying, well, it's just because the AAA ball and the you know the juice ball there that spiked that. But I mean, he's got the hit tool. He gets on base at a good clip. So I think that this is the kind of player the Dodgers love. Like, you know, I mean, they, they love to platoon guys. And so he fits right into that mold, you know, being that lefty bat, they can play anywhere. So he should get a considerable amount of at-bats I think. And you mentioned the older prospect pedigree, which is fine. I mean, the Cronenworth mold. And he could be a sneaky pick. I don't think he's going to get selected in most like standard redraft leagues this year, but if he, I mean, like Cronenworth, man, you take off early, get, there's some fab in him. He could really pay off, but for dynasty, I like it a lot.
0: Yeah. I like like a deep dynasty, you know, twenty thirty team where um, that multi position eligibility will be key, especially since he hasn't, you know, been up and he's 25, you know, and just like kind of swing him around that you know, the active slot and the minus slot until he hits that threshold. And, uh, so I, I don't know. Yeah. It's, um, like I said, it doesn't pop, but it's not, it's not sexy, but, um, I, I think there's something there, you know, especially because of the the, the Dodgers think like the Dodger way, I think he's going to find like uh, a nice role there.
2: Sure. Cost him on a DC too, just in case.
0: Right. Right. <laughs> All right. So now let's go into the three down. Um, and uh yeah we'll we'll keep the same order so Chris uh who 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 do you who you're not touching this year
1: uh it's Chris Bryant man even though he's fallen way down yeah I can't get on board with it and you know I've loved Bryant for a long time and it's just interesting to me how he's progressively gotten worse like after his MVP season in 2016 he's just gone downhill 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 and I think. The injuries may be lingering more than we think. He, play, he may be playing through it, but, dude, I mean, there's nothing I see in the profile that I like at all, man. And this is a guy that we expected to be elite for a long time, like hit near 300 and with 35-plus bombs. I mean, his MVP season was probably – we knew probably would be an anomaly for his career, but, I mean, still only 28 years old. Like, it feels like he shouldn't be declining like this, you know? But it's just discouraging all across the board, man. I mean, nothing in the profile makes me even consider wanting to take him this year. I've completely gotten out in dynasty leagues. Luckily, I have got rid of some shares like early last year before things really tanked and his value went down. And, you know, there's definitely the chance that he does pop back on and he returns a great investment because where he's go, he's going late, I think he's going – around 100 110 range but i don't know man i'm just he's i'm completely out not touching him right now someone else can can draft him and if they get the reward for it then good for them but i'm just not sure i can can go in on him this year
0: you know what i like the way you put that right because sometimes i feel like when when you're just trying to decide on a guy at that point like you said just let someone win with it if it, it if it happens, you know, the, the risk is too much. And yeah, like obviously he can pop maybe again, like you said, but yeah, let someone else, let him pop for someone else. I don't know what happened. It has to be the injuries, you know, because I don't know how does someone, you know, it's such a sharp decline, you know, it's bad. I don't, I don't, I don't have an answer for that, but it's not good. (laughs) Yeah. Dave, who do you got? Who's your first down guy for the year?
2: Uh, so we talk about guys that I'm gonna let people just take and I'll watch, and mine is, is just Dustin May. I have a really hard time where he's going. I think about the Dodgers and the, the games they play with their pitchers, the in and out. I mean, you had guys like Ryu and Maeda, and they never used very you know well. And, and you know, Dustin May, everyone you know, he just ends up getting drafted higher than I'll ever want. You know, he, where is, are the strikeouts ever going to come? I understand people love the pitches, but the strikeouts aren't there. Who knows what the spot's going to be like? And I just – I can't wrap my head around ever getting him at his position, at his price. And I'd much rather just see it on somebody else's team and not have to deal with it. I'd rather get a little bit more of a known commodity on a pitcher at that point.
1: Yeah, and you mentioned that. I mean, like – and this is not a knock-on – people who do, but the the pitcher list and pitching ninja when they put these gifts out of this dirty movement on pitches, it gets so much hype and everybody gets so excited. And six toes another guy like that, where I mean the movement's filthy, but it just doesn't garner the strikeout rate. Like there's and I don't see it bumping up that much. And it's the same you mentioned with May. And so that's not a knock on those that do those, but I think it's just easy for people to see it and overreact and like, man, that stuff's filthy. You know, we remember that, that Dustin May pitch that just the fastball, that was like a hundred that moved completely through the zone. It was nasty. So everybody's like, Oh man, he's so good. But I just don't, I don't see the strikeouts upping like you mentioned. So I just don't
2: see, I don't see them taking that leap that you would need at that price. And I'd rather just sit back, take another position player if need be, and grab, grab something much later that, I'd rather grab much later, pick it, and, and hope that he pops off. Cause I think he'll return a little bit more value than I will with with Dustin May.
0: Yeah, I think it's the whole expectancy thing. I think if you go out there and think like, yeah, I'll take him as my SP four, SP five, but if you're going out there and banking on him as your number two, if you wait on pitching or I don't know, that's I just think it's a recipe for disaster with that sure. type of profile. You know, oh, yeah. I like that, Dave. I yeah and yeah it, it is pretty watching you know you just got to be able to dissect you know like you know what's good for baseball and what's good for fantasy obviously mm-hmm. it's, it's it's pretty to watch those gifts I definitely agree with that um, so my first guy I'm gonna talk about is Ramon Laureano um, I don't know what he is that's my problem with him is he is he a a, a number five batter trying to be a, a power hitter is, is he doesn't have the profile to be top of the order either. And, and, and steal a bunch. Um, he just hasn't really done anything for me to really. Um, when you're talking about guys who could do 2020 20, seasons or even 15, 15 um, I'm going elsewhere. I, I, I just, I don't know. He's again, I, I like rostering guys with, Multi tools, and he seems to be a guy that always pops up. You know, last year, like him and fam were going around the same area, and I uh, was always leaning fam. I just don't see anything. I don't know. Like I said, like, I don't know who he is. You know, he doesn't make adjustments to off speed pitches, uh, just getting thrown less and less fastballs. And I think it's going to get worse and worse for him in that form. And I don't know. I, I what is he? You know, what is he? What's his profile? Like, who is he? Who is Romo? Lohriano?
1: Yeah, can't he's kind out. I'm out. I think I'm out on him as well. Yeah. Just because we there's so many unknowns, and he had that big season. The draft price kind of got inflated, and I'm just not sure if we'll get back to that level again.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm not. Yeah, I, like I said, I don't see anything in it that makes me seem like he's he's gonna you know ex, explode and be better than. Again, better, you know, uh, power, speed sources um, that are out there. I know his his prices, you know, definitely, I think, dropped a couple of picks, 20 picks from last year's ADP in the two early mocks. But, again, that's probably something that'll rise once people get back into drafting season. So, uh, Chris, who who do you got for number two?
1: Uh, and it's going back to the pitcher well for Patrick Corbin. Corbin had some – kind of had a uh, – definitely had a rough year, but he has some scary things in his profile – in my opinion. And first off, it's the fact that we saw the velo drop like consistently, which is a big warning sign for me. I mean, he got hit around really, really hard this year. The slider, which is his best pitch, just didn't perform like we'd expect. I mean, obviously it was still his best pitch. He still had a nice whiff rate on it, but that was his only pitch that that was working. And so when you can basically only use one pitch to get outs, it's, it's, highly concerning to me and looking back i mean there's there's a small track record but it's still not a huge long track record i mean you've got 2018 and 2019 with really that being it for solid production for corbin and last year i think he was going right around pick 40 and i think now he's dropped down to right around the 100 range but uh, there's definitely some concerns for me that i wouldn't touch him there because how hard he got hit for one when he got hit, and then the lack of strikeouts—like he just wasn't striking people out like he usually did. The velo was down, I mean, and he got mashed. He got hit extremely hard. One of the worst exit velocities in the league among pitchers. So, he's a guy that I think I'm out on for redraft and dynasty.
2: Is he like the next Matt Boyd?
1: Oh god! Just he gives me. up
2: all that. He gives up all that hard contact. He can strike a few guys out, but. That yeah. could be like, is he going down that path where it's just it, if he gives up contact, it's going to be too much.
0: It's yeah, I guess. Possible. You know, Boyd, Boyd. never reached the height, that, you know, that Corbin did. You know, um, right. Sure. And I think that's the big thing. You know, uh, gotta just determine if that was his peak and that was just something that's not him. You know, it seemed to be the outlier for him that one big year. So,
2: sure. Yeah,
0: I would agree, Chris. Like, it's a, it's a tough guy, tough guy to get on. Dave, who do you got?
2: So I'm going back to the pitching well as well. Well, well. And I went with like you mentioned, Sixto Sanchez. I cannot even come close to buying where he is going in these drafts. It's just for me, it's too small a sample size. I'm not saying that that they don't produce good pitching in that, but you know, out there in, in Miami, but it's another one of these guys. The arsenal looks really nice. It gives up, you know, not that much contact. He does get quite a few ground balls. There's a lot to like. I just don't think we're going to go into, it's again, it's a bit of a price association here on what else I could get there. I just, I remember looking at it in my draft and in my mock and I'm like, there are at least a handful of guys, maybe two handfuls of guys I would easily take before him. You know, like, it's not like he went up there. You know, he had one game, I think it was like a double digit 10 strikeout game. And the rest of these games are, you know, as he went on, he, he got worse. He was giving up more earned runs. He was walking more batters. He wasn't striking out as much. And I started to wonder, are teams just figuring out, you know, what he's doing, you know, and, and taking advantage of him? It's just, there's no way. He's going to end up on every, I'm not, at the price, I just can't even begin to put him on one of my teams. I, I like, you know, I like the raw talent there. I just don't think I'll see it over a full season. And, and make it worthwhile
0: to me. Yeah, I would agree. I think at the FOMO thing for a lot of drafters um and especially if that K rate doesn't pop up, he's just a uh, hyped up, you know, like Kyle Hendrick maybe. Something it's, like that, right? So, I mean,
2: like I said, he, he's got he's like to me him and May are like the same. It's very GIF related pitchers. He's got a name like Sixto Sanchez so you kind of see <laughs> it and go you go, "Oh, what is that? What is this guy about?" And then you know it's it the if we if we stripped away name and just put him out there against people I think he's going to get ripped up in the off season and his draft price is going to come way down as it goes. <laughs> it probably already is. I haven't looked. I rarely look at ADP until we do these sort of things.
1: Right, there's always just going to be one person in your league that takes him that high. I think, and he, Pedro Martinez, like coming out and saying like he's the Terrible. best since me, like. It's it's boosted to the value way too high, so I'm completely with you right there.
2: Dynasty have Adam. He's probably a great guy to take. But you're talking redraft. There is no way in this world. I'm I'm taking him at these prices.
0: I agree. Yeah, too high, too high for that risk. There's just yeah,
2: the risk is too much.
0: Yeah. All right. So for my second guy. So this is this is more like a person slash situation. That I'm observing, I've been talking to some people in Dynasty Leagues who have a Rosarena. Um, and I feel like people are going the wrong route with him. And I feel like a lot of people are trying to flip a Rosa for like young prospects or you know, the top young prospects. Feel like I feel like he's pretty legit. And I feel like at twenty six years old, I think the goal in a dynasty league, so yeah, I'm down on his value that people are looking at him on because I think that what we should be doing is adding a pro like a some lower level prospects to a roster and, and, and trying to get a guy better than him, you know, and maybe even a couple of years older or the same age, you know, uh, maybe there's a guy in your league who's a little sour on Yelick, you know, maybe you throw Rose Dwayne and a couple of young prospect. And I don't know. I just feel like, um, I, I, I see different routes taken for valuing a Rosarinas, you know, value right now. And I think he's got a pretty decent, like pretty legit profile, um, especially for Roto leagues. And I don't know, I think that's, you know, I have him in one dynasty league and that's what I'm actively trying to do right now. I'm trying to better him instead of, instead of trading for future value, I'm trying to capture that recency bias for him and get someone who I feel like is, you know, more stable and better. And even saying he's like Doug's a couple of years older, you know? So I don't know if someone is going to be sleeping on that to make a deal with me to do that. But, um, that's what I'm pushing for. So I feel like people are a little down on his value and I'm not feeling that way about it. What do you guys think about it? Rosalina? A lot of hype,
1: man. The hype is crazy, which I, I think you're right. Now's probably the time to try to sell in like a dynasty league, because I think you can, Get a huge return. And I'm not sure if the hype will ever be this high again. And same with Sixto, honestly, like part of Dynasty League is just knowing when the appropriate time is to buy or sell on players. And so I think right. Sixto's value is crazy high. Is it a good time to try to sell high on him? Possibly. And definitely, definitely. do you, definitely and Randy do you
0: find man. that, Chris, that do you find like people are constantly trying to, you know, capture like, um, recency bias value and, and and flipping for younger instead of flipping for someone who's like more established and like like already a kind of star in the league per se yeah I think I think that's the general thing is that everybody wants
1: the next big thing everybody wants the next up and coming prospect but in reality like if I can get a young MLB talent that's already proven it I'd much rather do that than get a prospect who's who's not proven you know even I though- agree we can evaluate and, and speculate all day on what, what the prospects could be. I want a guy that's already done it, man. So I, I think that's the way the route that people should go, that they don't go often enough.
0: You're right. I agree. I, from the most, I've seen my little dynasty experience is that majority of stuff happening where I feel like it, you know, I'm doing the opposite. You know, I'm trying to get a better player instead of flipping for future, you know? Right. So, um, yeah, so I guess we'll go back to, go back to you, Chris, for your uh, last down guy.
1: All right, and that's one more pitcher. It's Chris Paddock. Oh. And uh, I, I really <laughs> loved Chris Paddock last year when he came up. I mean, just the swagger that he had coming out mm. of the locker room, you know, the sheriff mentality, and he, he pitched so well. And did he pitch a little over his head? Yeah, I think so, because the two pitches, man. He, he relies solely on the fastball changeup combo. I mean, mixes the curve in a little bit. But the fastball was much more efficient last year, and he didn't have his fastball this year. Even though he upped his V-load a little bit on it, it just, it just wasn't there. He got tattooed, man, on that pitch, which killed him. The changeup is, is great. Like, that's a great pitch. Nobody's denying that. But if, it's, if his fastball is not working, he can't rely solely on the changeup. And he got another one like Corbin, where he just got hit extremely hard, one of the worst hard hit rates among pitchers, one of the worst exit velocities. He got barreled up quite often. And so he, I mean, the numbers were terrible, man. 473 ERA, one two two whip, only fifty-eight strikeouts in in 59 innings. And that was from a guy that you paid like a top 40 pick for, who just absolutely killed you. Now the values dropped again. But it's just so – we see it time and time again when these guys don't have more than two pitches to rely on. It just – they can't get the job done. So, down on Paddock, luckily I made a deal in one in my home dynasty league and got rid of them this mid this year and got Gallon, which was huge because I'm a big Zach Gallon guy. So, I love that deal. But I don't like what I'm seeing from Paddock, man.
0: Yeah, he's, he's tough. Um, just mentioned that dispersal draft that I'm involved with and um, I I looked at him and Lizardo and, you know, like last year probably would have took Paddock, you know, if for sure. If, if, yeah. So um, I ended up doing Lizardo instead. But, um, you know, I guess it goes back to that, you know, that expectancy thing that we were saying before. So maybe he's not going to be this ace flamethrower we wanted him to be, but maybe he can settle in as a good you know, two or three, you know, at his peak, but he needs to add that third pitch, I think. I think we're pretty obvious, but, um, yeah, Chris Paddock, you're right, though. He came out in the great ball of fire, you know. Everyone was drawn to that, and then he lost a little bit of that macho-ness, so, I don't know. He's got to find that again. For sure. What do you got, Dave?
2: So, again, I went with another, you know, youngster here that, you know, again, I think we're gonna get bit by a lot of small samples. And like I said, we gotta forgive some stuff, but uh, like Alec Baum, you know, like, again, it's just, it's a name that I'm seeing at the top of some of these just like really established third base hitters. Like, I know what I'm getting. I know that they're gonna be this good. I know that they're gonna, you know, he's going like ahead of like Moustakis and and Brian, and a guy who I kind of, you know, like a little bit to bounce back J.D. Davis and Urshela, you know, some of these guys where I'm thinking I can get much later and I don't have to worry, like, what will this guy be? You know, like I understand some of the pedigree and him jumping up there. It's just, you know, he was a guy that I was looking at his profile, like he didn't even really hit that many fly balls. Right. Like, but yet, you know, he had quite a bit of power coming from him. It's like, there's just too many question marks for me. And it's just not how I'm constructing a team. Like I almost prefer to to know a bit more than just, you know, here's what this guy was for like a small, you know, not even a full season in, in 2020. And you know, he could take a nosedive the wrong way. And now I'm scrambling, and I just much rather find a, a I guess, a little bit more of a profile that I, I, you know, I feel comfortable with in a draft as opposed to what I'm saying.
0: I agree. Definitely have to go where you feel comfortable. You know. 100%. What do you think about that shot, Chris? Oh, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. 100 I'm, I'm right with you, man. Like, the recency bias, the, the prospect pedigree, overdrafted, I think. It, it's just,
2: it has nothing to do with, like, it's hard because I like all those players I mentioned. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with them. It's just, in, in as far as in a redraft where I play more, majority, I can't get myself to that ADP. And I look at the names after, and I'm like, I'll go here. You know where I can you know save on the risk of a, a couple rounds to find this, and I'll just I'll look for the other player that can take the next. One. I'm always looking for the leap ahead a few rounds. Who can who can provide more? You know right. than where I'm getting. Yeah, and I just yeah. I don't think you're getting a discount on on any of those three players I mentioned, especially Bomb. I think you just could he get better? Sure, he could get, he could take another leap forward and, and and get and get that extra couple, but. I just don't feel the discount where where he's being drafted at the moment.
0: I agree. Good call there. Um, so my last, my last, you know, I I, I was looking at some, some options as a third guy, but what, you know, what's really been bothering me is actually I'm gonna go with a position as a whole and I'm down on closers. Um, going into this year, I, Normally, my my strategy is is to wait as much as I can, and uh, usually try to roster you know a bunch of high leverage arms in my lineup um, for next man ups. But if you just look at the amount of guys that are grabbing saves since you know 2018, it's the amount of guys who are you know saving over 25 going down, amount of guys who are saving over fives going up, you know, and it's just you see the value in it. And when you watch the Rays play, you see, um, you know, obviously not just the race, but multiple teams, you see the value and in, in going to the pen and maximizing your arms in, in every way possible. And I just think it's just going to keep going. And, um, as much as in some leagues, you know, league specific, maybe, you know, that the saves get pushed up, like maybe like a main event or if you have a specific home league where everyone just constantly, you know, it's a different story. But in general, um, I think it's, it's, it's just going to continue to be more spread out and it's going to be uh, less guys getting the bulk of the saves and it's just going to keep going this way. So I'm completely even more out on closer than I ever were.
1: I agree with you, man. I, yeah, I think that the value gets pushed way up, and then the top guys tend to not return value. And so, when everybody's when everybody zigs, you zag. And so, you know, <laughs> when when they're pushing up closers, there's value to be had elsewhere. And I think that it showed this year with the amount of value you could find on the wire. And so, I'd 100%. rather spend fab on closers than than draft them like in you know high rounds when I can get a solid hitter or starting pitcher right
2: yeah for me it's for me closers it's about the stability of position like i don't like to invest the draft pick in them at least one that you know crazy one for him i'd rather try and wait around because more than likely as you just said we're going to have to replace this closer that we drafted there's a there's a fair chance of it you know he's losing his job or something's moving around and so i'd rather just spend a little bit of my fab out there for you know uh, you know, a, a closer in the waiting or something like that. I remember you mentioned you, you, your are draft champions. You're with the next man up and that's, you know, as far as your closers, I think when you're talking to John L and I like it's exactly what I did in all my DCs is I ended up taking like the Matt Barnes, the guy who could end up getting that next job. You know, if something happens, because like you said, the, the, the saves are just so sporadic at the moment. So wait quite a while developed your team somewhere else. And, and, you know, we're, if you're a good enough player, you can find that category, you know, that one category for a pitcher, you, you'll, you'll, be able to do it. There's enough resources. that will tell you how to get there. It's right. just, it's, there's plenty of guys that do, you know, tremendous closer research on the Twitterverse for fantasy. I mean, a ton of them follow right. some of their stuff and, and, and look through and you you'll be able to find it. And, you know, it, it's not a commodity that you have to pay entirely crazy up for anymore
0: i totally agree i totally agree and um you know like like you mentioned in the dc like i i just made it a case to just even at i felt like from 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 42 to round 50 like last six seven rounds it just took a ton of you know like live upside bullpen on mostly on the ways, and you know it's just hey take that shot at a guy like in Maybe maybe you need it. Maybe your starters aren't up to par. You need that you know the, those guys to come in and give you valuable, you know. I I can't even tell you how many times I started Jordan Lyles, you know, and for like a double start just because he he teases you, and, and instead you could have you know good old Pete Fairbanks in there with you know seven Ks, you know, in 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 three innings. Well, in
2: and the league. thing about that, the thing about that too is that you know that that reliever, you know, picking up that random win. You know that could just be so huge when you pick up, you know, just a couple of them from you know you getting your ratios blown up by Lyles, but you know those wins will just add up little by little and keep those ratios down and just tossing a few you know safe strikeouts. I like it uh, a lot more going that way.
0: Yeah, I, like I, that. Bu- I believe so. All right, so cool. That was cool, Um, guys. You guys really nailed those right there. I I expected nothing less of you guys. Just want to let you know. So I think we're gonna close it off with a cool little draft, um, little mini draft for next year. We're gonna be drafting strictly for stolen bases only, stolen base totals for next year. Then the player pool is guys who have had less than twenty combined homers in twenty nineteen and twenty twenty combined. So um, again, a little package like to do in a couple of my other podcasts. We did some home run drafts. Um, and uh it's like to dig around. Sometimes they even dig a little deeper in the speculation. Stone base is a little rough. You don't wanna dig, you know, I was gonna make it like below seven, but then I was like I look at the prior pool, like, ah, this is not <laughs> gonna be fun. So um so, yeah. So, um, again, uh, a little practice like you do in the offseason to try to speculate on a specific category, power, speed, and, and whatnot. Um, so, I figured when I started my podcast, I figured maybe it was something I could do with my guests as, uh, you know, a little fun interaction. So, um, we're going to do a little snake draft. And uh, Dave gave you the first pick. Um, and so, yeah, go ahead. Let's let's start this off. A little stolen base draft for 2021. Who do you got first? Yeah,
2: yeah. So, I'm going to go with, like I said, a profile I don't love, but uh, Luis Robert hasn't stolen 20 bases in the last two seasons. But in the minors, you know, in 2019, he stole 36. Sprint speed is just electric at, at 96 percentile. So for me, I thought this was a guy that I know is going to steal bases. I know it's going to be, you know, maybe he gets some bats towards the top. I, I don't know if he does entirely, but. This is a guy that, you know, the Sox did not run a lot last year, but this is a guy that ran a lot. So I think they're going to, you know, over a full season, let him go, let him keep expanding. And I wanted, I knew it's going to be a while until I get my next pick. So I wanted a guy that would probably for sure get quite
0: a bit of steals. All right. I like it. Good shot. All right, Chris, Gad, You're right. up next. What do you
1: got? I'm going with Trent Grisham. Mm. who has not, again, not stolen 20 over the last two seasons. That's he's got electric speed, like like Robear there, ninety six percentile, um, and he went 10-10 this year. So, I, like, he's a nice power-speed combo again. There, there's definitely some risk in the profile with the strikeout rate and all that, but he gets on base at such a high clip. It's like regardless of his batting average, like he's getting on base a lot, and the Padres have shown that they're willing to let their guys run and so I feel like Grisham's probably a lock to still 20 bases. I think he'd get up to 25 potentially um, with depending on how much they let him run. And so I, I really like the potential
0: here to get some stolen bases with, with Grisham. I like that pick. That's, 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 you know, we kind of think he had more, you know, in the right. last two years. Yeah. But uh, again, he's still a young dude, definitely got some fresh legs. I like that pick right there a lot. All right, so with my back-to-back, my first pick, I'm going to go with Kyle Tucker. Um, Again, the spring suite is not off the charts, but um, I just feel like he's going to immediately get into that 25-25 threshold um, for homers and stolen bases. I know we're not playing the homer game, but I just feel like he's going to be one of those guys that takes the next step uh, overall in his whole game. And um, seems to like to run, um, success is pretty solid. But, uh, again, this is more of a, I, you know, I'm an, I'm big on Kyle Tucker on the year and, um, yeah, so I'm going to go Kyle Tucker and then I'm going to back that up with a guy we've been talking about today. And that's Mr. Harvey Baez. Uh, I think he'll enter. Uh, I think he's going to creep back into that 15 to 20 range. I think he's got a lot to prove this year. And, um, uh, has a lot to do with opportunity as well, um, at-bats volume. So I'm going to go Tucker and Javi Baez.
1: Very and then nice. It's back,
0: yeah, and then it's back to you, Chris. All right.
1: So I'm going to surprisingly available, one of the fastest players in the game, Byron Buxton. Mm, Always yep. stolen yeah, yeah, yeah. 16 between the last two years. Obviously injuries and this year just – Really strange, hit all power and minimal speed, weird, but he's still got one of the fastest sprint speeds in the game. I think that obviously, if he can stay on the field, like he could steal thirty pretty easily, and so the the question mark is, can he stay healthy and I'll take the chance here that sprint speed's elite, he likes to run. I think there's a reasonable reason to believe that he can get thirty still in bases. Wow.
0: I like it. Yeah. I, 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 I had a hard time passing him up. I'm, I, I draft and Buxton whenever I can. So, but <laughs> I like that. All right, Dave. You're going with a back-to-back right here.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, again, it's going to be a while. Joey Votto's
0: so out there, by the way. Joey fine, Votto, Votto is
2: three. Okay. <laughs> let's go with a little bit more. Oof. There's a couple ways I want to go. Um, let's go with Ozzie Albies. Don't mm-hmm. believe he's still 20. He didn't steal a whole lot this year because of how it was. I still think there's a potential for him to steal 20. He's shown that he has the propensity to run if need be. Um, I, I just like the idea of him. You know, I feel like he's not a deadlock in it for him to steal 20, but I think he's a safe 15 over a full year. And I think there could be a little bit more. He's not the fastest guy, but. He's shown you the desire to steal bases uh, and he's going to, he just plays every freaking day, you know, when hey. he gets that opportunity and I'm looking for a guy with just opportunities continually trying uh, oh, like on it. the back to back. So I'm going to play cause it's going to be a while and I wanted this guy, a wild card and that's Nick Madrigal. Just, he's another guy. I know he had surgery, so it's a little bit scary and that kind of turned me off. Um, Sprinsby's not there, but the guy just loves to run. He doesn't have the power to do much more. Just tell you what, just get on first base and take second base, as many as you can. I think 19, he stole 35 bases in the minors. Of course, it was over three levels, and that was with 400 and some plate appearances, but there's a chance that this guy could go off, and the White Sox could let him take off. He did steal a couple this year in, in limited role, but we'll see.
0: Cool, like okay. it. So yeah. Alvies and magical to join yeah. Luis Robert. All right. That's I'm it. liking
1: it. Yeah, so uh, I'm going to go on with a guy that actually didn't even play this year, and that's Yasiel Puig. I, I expect Puig Ooh. to sign and be effective. I mean, 2019, he stole 19 bases, so he was right under that threshold, obviously, because he didn't play this year. Yeah, but,
2: that's a good
1: one. Yeah, he he's gonna be there. I mean, his sprint speed is not elite by any means, but it's still like eightieth percentile. It's good. I mean, and he he likes to run. And if he gets in the right organization, obviously that lets him run. I think 20s a a reasonable bet here. Just depends a lot on Willie Sign. Where will he sign? There. Again, another risky pick, but I'll take the risk here with steals. So I like Puig. Man, I wish he had been on the Braves, man. God, I I wish say, we had maybe him he goes back there.
0: Yeah. yeah. All right, so I, I like that. Nasty week. I mean, I uh, who knows where he's going to end up, but God bless that guy. He's <laughs> he's a wild horse, wherever he's going to go. So, listen, you mentioned I keep hearing about the volume play. So, I am going with volume here, and I'm going with one of the best players, the best player in the game at a 94% sprint speed. Still, I know he's not stealing as much as he used to, but I'm going Mike Trout. Um, I'm feeling like he's going to get back Into that 15 range at least I think he's going to have a lot to prove this year As not being a top three finalist For MVP I think he feels like he's obligated to be In the top three And um, again, the best player in the game And I think he's coming out with uh, I think he's coming out with some fire This year to uh, You know I think he's going 20 At, at least 18-20 steals this year I'm calling it right now Mike Trout And I got another pick right one more pick Oh man so And again I'm going I'm going I think with 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 volume and with So far some early projections um, That have him In the high Teens low 20s even is Mr. Randy Orozarena um, I, I'm just going to go with the with the Oro Arena hype and you know that 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 whole skill set that he possesses and I think he's just um, For as good as he played and as much as people think he's going to regress. I also think that he had the makeup of a guy that just wants to get better as a player. And I think that the Rays Are the perfect team to keep him on that path to success. So I'm going back to back trout a and so for my final four tucker Baez, trout a rosarena very solid and that's a good roto team oh Shit. yeah <laughs> all right chris go ahead. you all got right. um your last pick here you have grisham buxton
1: and puig who you add into that uh this is another kind of wild card who didn't run this year but he's very fast, and that's Ahmed Rosario.
0: Mm, Again, yeah, yeah. very
1: strange that he didn't run. Like, he stole 19 in 2019, and then he only attempted one stolen base this year, which obviously is a little suspect. Like, kind of strange here. He's, he's got elite sprint speed, in the 92nd percentile. He's shown the ability to run, obviously. This season was was just not good all around for him. But I think he gets back on track. Like the Mets, I think, are going to be improved. Like we know they're going to spend some money. They want to win. And I think that probably helps boost like the morale. And I there's some, certain guys that just play better when the team's performing well. And I think Rosario definitely gets back on track. He's still young. I mean, he's only 24 years old. The, the sprint speed's there. He's he's solid all around. And I just think it gets back to that level and he could steal 20 bases for you. So he stole 24 in 2018 and 19 in 2019. So right there, I think 20 is a reasonable threshold
0: to, to get there. I agree with you. And again, as a Mets I hope so, because I think for, um, you know, the Mets offense was like sneaky good this year and um, even the last three years in general. And I feel like if Rosario, you know, can bring what he flashed previously, that it's again, with some added free agents, and um, yeah, I like that. That's a good choice. I don't know what happened to him this year. Either, nah, I don't know. But <laughs> I don't know. But I don't think, yeah, very strange. Very strange. All right, Dave, you got the uh, last pick here. Robert Albies, Magical. And who are you adding to that team?
2: So, again, I, I just don't care about home runs. I'm looking at just speedy players yeah. that have the will to take it. Uh, I want this prospect out of Texas that ended up hitting towards the top of the lineup in mm. a very, very little bit of time was just swiping bags right and left. Leody Tavares, uh, Tavares. just right. He is still a work in progress. The one thing he can do really well is steal bases, at least at a major league level for now. A lot of bags in the minors. So again, I think steals is a lot of just will, right? Some speed and some getting on first base, but that's where I'm going. First or last.
1: He's my favorite deep round target this year. Yeah, he's going to
2: be, especially late, he's, you know, almost free in drafts. And I think this could be a guy that just boosts you in stolen bases without even trying.
1: And he's solid across the board. I like,
0: yeah, 100%. I I don't know
2: what was happening in Texas. The offense just wasn't there at all, right? So we could see some bounce backs there.
0: Yeah, it just might be the case of them too, you know, just letting him figure it out at the, you know, at the major league level. And uh, I like to pick. I just got him in that dispersal draft I've mentioned a couple of times. Um, nice. But, uh, yeah, I'm pretty I'm pretty excited. I took him over some, like, already established, uh, I think, uh, you know, Kyle Lewis and, uh, you know, because I, I like that. I like that. Uh, I needed some, some speed on my team. And, um, yeah, he might have the complete package there. Sure. I like it. So cool, man. All right. So that was fun. Um, so yeah, well, I'll keep this in a little sheet and we'll, you know, we'll keep track of the winner at the end of the year. You guys will get something if you win. Um, I haven't decided what it's going to be yet, but that will be something worth it. But, um, yeah, man. So that was fun. I really, I really appreciate you guys coming on and bullshitting with me. You know, I gotta tell everybody, I know everyone's busy and they got a lot of shit going on in their life. So I always really appreciate everyone taking the time out, you know, talking baseball with me and, uh, their families and all that stuff so again really appreciate you know you guys coming out and uh, just want to give you guys the opportunity you know to talk about what you guys are working on and where where the where the listeners can find you and um, yeah all that fun stuff okay Chris go
1: ahead Hi, sure yeah. yeah so found me on Twitter at Roto Clegg C-L-E-G-G my last name I'm writing over at Fantrax man we're just going full throttle pumping out content doing some Player deep dives and working on some rankings, variety of things. So I just put out my top 150 hitters today as we're recording. So you can go check that out for 2021. And got some player deep dives. Will be out again next week. So and just going full throttle and join the ride. Awesome,
0: man. And Dave, what about you? What do you got?
2: Yep, I'm on Twitter as well, Divithius, Davithius, D-A-V-I-T-H-I-U-S. Uh, writer over at Fantrax as well with Clegg. And at Roto Baller, just getting feet wet over there and starting to put out some content with them. You know, it's going to be a lot of stuff. A lot of, you know, hit me up. I'm always ready to talk about, you know, anything see baseball related, just like you guys are, and, and, you know, get ready for next year.
0: What is the, the, the is the Divithius? It sounds like it's like some Roman coliseum. Like, yeah, people, <laughs> it used to thing. just
2: be, yeah, so it's kind of funny. Like, uh, it goes back to the days when I would go out to the bars and there was just some like drunk lady hitting on me, and all my friends are like, "You gotta talk to them. I'm like, I don't want to. And it, like I told her, like, "Oh, my name's you know Dave." And for whatever reason, she just went around the bar yelling "Davis," like all day. You know, the entire it was so embarrassing, and so everyone just called me Davis off of that. And so on any social media, I'd always put Davis as almost like a joke, and it just kind of stuck as Davithius for a Twitter. I have no clue how that happened but i've never felt like changing it because why
0: it sounds like i said it sounds like something like uh, i i was always wondering like you know it sounds yeah it sounds like a title of some sort it, it you know it
2: literally has no meaning other than <laughs> at all. other than that other than that little weird story that i don't know how it blossomed into that i really have no clue
1: fantastic i love it
0: yeah. Yeah, I love it too, man. That's funny. Cool, man. So, yeah, uh, for all listeners out there, if you're not following Chris and Dave, definitely get on that. Check out their content. Um, I really enjoy, uh, you know, like I said, uh, meeting up with you guys, on, you know, on the Zoom, it's, so, you know, much, much better than talking on DM, you know. For sure. Yeah, because we get to know each other. And, um, yeah, what a great, great community, you know, everyone I bring on and talking to is just. You just really realize, like, um, you know, everyone's out there with this, you know, like-minded set, uh, and and just really cool, you know, laid back. Everyone trying to help each other be better, and uh, so yeah, you know, I, God bless you guys. Keep keep doing your thing, man. You know, keep grinding out. You guys are hustling out there, and I think a lot of people, uh, you know, may not come out and say it all the time that they appreciate it, but you know, it's definitely it's definitely appreciated. You guys are kicking ass out there, so um again thank you for coming out and um we'll definitely do this again sometime soon before the season starts you know we'll do some type of uh you know pre uh pre-season rankings or pre-season look or something like that you know sure Sounds and thanks good. again man
1: had a great time appreciate you having us on 100 percent, fellas all right i'll talk to you guys soon easy rob